0: Hi! How is everyone? Good to see you again uh, on this venue, a little different uh, than what we've been doing, but I'm really looking forward to the summer rhythm where we get a chance to interact some, uh, see each other in a different way, see each other's faces in a different way, and then I look forward again next Sunday to seeing hopefully most of you in person. Well, we are working our way through the good and beautiful God, and if you can believe it, we are almost through this book. Um, We've been preaching through this book for a while now, and I hope it's been a good experience for you. Um, It's a little glary, sorry. Here we are. The Good and Beautiful God. Um, We are almost done with this book, and so it is time to order the next book. If you haven't already, uh, I would encourage you to do that, and uh, Tina can uh, do a group order for us. I think we already probably talked about that. Sorry if we did, Um, but you can also order it yourself. But it's time to get the next book, which I will be talking about today. Today's topic is based on the chapter, God Transforms. God Transforms. So, you know, we've pondered several aspects of the of the character of God over the past seven weeks. And as, as you think back over these sermons and the chapters and the discussions that we've had, I'm curious, what has stood out to you? Uh, if you were asked to name one of the chapter titles or sermon titles from the last seven weeks, which one comes to mind first? Pause and think about that. Does God bring anything to mind maybe that's something you want to jot down um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that when we have a time to transition to discussion and so um, yeah which 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 aspect of God has caught your attention uh, in a in the most significant way so the next book um, that we are going to be doing I'm hopefully not getting too much of a glare here is the good and beautiful life and this is the the next books in the series and it is actually all about oh I'm still getting glare oh ah, that's better Uh, The Good and Beautiful Life is about putting on the character of Christ, which should sound familiar based on the scripture that was read this morning, right? This whole book, this whole book, 12 chapters, is all elaborating on what it means to be in Christ, what our lives should look like in Christ, um, what it means to put on the character of Christ and to be transformed. And so, you know, this morning, uh, I'm just going to really hit some highlights about What does it mean that God transforms? And we're going to dig much deeper into that very soon. Um, The the progression of these books, I want to make sure you understood that and and why we're going over this uh, together as a church, is that you know, first we need to have a right vision of who God is, right? Uh, And that is so important. Sometimes it's easy just to jump to the next step, which is just wanting to see transformation in our lives, right? Of course, that's what we want. Of course, that's what we're looking for. Um, But it's really important first that we understand who God is, and then we can understand more what he wants to do in our lives. So today, as we think about God transforms, um, you know, there are so many beautiful metaphors for transformation. I'm curious, um, when you think of transformation, what metaphor comes to mind? Maybe it's uh, a caterpillar. Uh, Maybe it's an acorn. Uh, Maybe when you think of transformation, you think of the the 1980s uh, toys that turned from a robot to a car. Uh, I don't know what transformation uh, brings into your mind, but there are a lot of great metaphors, a lot of great things that we can think about. And transformation is truly a beautiful thing. What I want to talk about today is that not only uh, emphasizing the word transforms and God transforms, but that it is God who transforms. God transforms. The transformation in our lives is something that that we, that we seek the, the transformation we seek and that we hope for in the Christian life is something that only happens in the power of God, right? Transformation in the Christian life is only possible by the power of God. We are called to participate with God in the transformational work he wants to do in our lives. But the transformation of the Christian life is beyond the scope of self-help mantras or self-improvement seminars, It is God who transforms, and God longs to transform his followers from the inside out. Now, if you were listening to today's um, passage in Colossians, um, there's some great stuff in there. Um, Maybe some of us familiar. Um, Sometimes it can get easy to get stuck on the list of things, the do's and don'ts, right? The the things that you're to put off and the things you're to put on and uh, to no longer do these things, but instead to do these things. So these are important lists, uh, and, but they are not meant to be exhaustive by any means, and they're not even new. The, the moral code that's here is not new to particularly Jewish believers, um, but what's new to those who are now in Christ, uh, those who are now followers of Jesus, is the possibility of competency in Christ. Believers with a transformed heart and life by the power of the Holy Spirit can actually have the power to live out the moral code. They were they were helpless to follow before that. The passage uh, from the letter to the Colossians uh, that we read today beautifully and poetically describes some of the mystical realities that we are to live into. Paul is suggesting here, um, if you look at this passage, that believers are now made capable by God's grace to do God's will. He realizes that, you know, to know the codes of right conduct, which at least as Jewish listeners would have known, without having the moral capacity to act on them, gets us nowhere. These moral admonitions are not new. Jewish people had the law, right? They knew what the moral code should be. But knowing right codes of conduct without having the moral capacity to act on them, like I said, gets us nowhere. Or Worse. Right. You know, being unable to live up to the moral standards we have uh, often means that we're tempted to work to create a false image of ourselves to present to the world that maybe appears uh, that we are living in the right way. But we become hypocrites uh, doing work on the surface that hasn't been done on the inside, projecting a false image of ourselves that doesn't match up with who we truly are. The work of grace is inside out. The work of grace that God wants to do in our lives is an inside-out kind of work. God wants it to be so that private matters of the heart are are fleshed out in public action uh, of the body, but that they start out on the inside, right? Paul's message here isn't just, you know, stop doing bad things and do good things instead, but rather it's become the kind of person who naturally acts with moral integrity, right? Let your life be a sign of your new identity in Christ. Do you like a good makeover show? These are very popular these days. I remember back in the old days when I would uh, watch maybe the, a morning show or afternoon television with my mom and, you know, maybe around Mother's Day, they would grab some women from the crowd and take them away, whisk them away somewhere, right? And they would show us the before picture of these women and they would come out with new hair, new makeup, new clothes. Uh, They're the same people. Nothing had changed, right? Like they they hadn't done anything to change uh, except for the outside and a transformation occurred, right? Well, maybe that's what you think of when you see in this passage talking about um, transformation and a makeover. There's even clothes are even mentioned, right? In verse 12, Paul says to clothe yourselves, uh, right? Clothe yourselves with these Good things, but unlike the makeover analogy I just talked about where where things all happen on the surface and nothing inside has changed the the kind of clothing ourselves that Paul wants us to do here is a clothing ourselves with with clothing that is congruous with who we are on the inside uh, have you have you ever worn a uniform for a job maybe something as simple as the the traditional uh, red shirt and khakis of for a target employee or uh, maybe you served in the military, or like Phil Vitali um, served uh, as the U.S. in the U.S. Postal Service, right? Now that as I started uh, recording this, uh, the our, our postal worker actually walked by this window, uh, which is kind of funny. But but wearing. A postal uniform is a very important part of the job, right? It it identifies you. It keeps people from freaking out when you come up to their doorway or uh, their dog starts barking or whatnot. You know, okay, they're supposed to be here. They have the uniform on. This is, this is the right person to be here, right? Um, but what's important about the uniform is it matches the identity. Paul says that he wants us to take off our ill-fitting garments because they no longer represent who we are inside. He wants our outer actions, like our outer garments, to match our identity. Our inward transformation should express itself, right, in outward behavior. So someone trained and hired to deliver mail should wear a mail uniform when doing that job, right? But someone else just putting on the uniform who hasn't actually been trained or hired by the US Post Office, well, that's a farce, right? They aren't actually a postal worker just by putting on that outfit. It's it's putting on the outfit that goes with who they already are on the inside. Someone who's already been hired and given the job needs to put on the uniform that goes with it. As we have come into Christ, um, we put on the uniform that goes with it. We put on outer garments that match what has happened inwardly. This week I was reading a book, a a great book on the transformed life that I would highly recommend to you. It's by um, a friend of ours who pastors in Queens, New York. His name is Rich Velotis, And the book is called The Deeply Formed Life. And one of the things he said about transformation really stuck with me. He said, we're all naturally, right? We're all deeply formed by our families of origin and deep transformation, uh, you know, submitting to the work of Christ in our lives and participating with him, it can be a difficult process. And he says this, he says, for many, they, they'll they say, you know, Jesus in, is in my heart, but grandpa is still in my bones, right? For many Christians, this still rings true that even though we have invited Jesus to be in our heart, when our behavior, uh, what's in our bones, still looks a lot more like our families of origin than our new identity as part of the family of God. We Maybe we have Jesus in a compartment, not letting our new identity deep down into our bones. We believe that God expects genuine change in the inner person of the believer, not simply a change in our status or relationship with God, although that is truly amazing and important but that we can see a real change of character um, experienced as god makes the believer holy in his sight in one of the commentaries i read this week it said this it said when someone restores an old car it's not enough to simply paint over the rust right the rust must be removed and the rusted parts replaced before the car is painted if you really want to restore an old car right so this got me thinking so lately, JR and I have been doing some landscaping work around our yard. We decided we've lived here five years. It was time to tackle some of the things that needed some deeper work that had maybe been neglected, um, that we could just ride on the past homeowner's work for the first few years. But now it's it's time. It's time for us to do some of the deeper work. Well, JR's project, he mainly spent time on involved lifting a lot of heavy rocks, a lot of shoveling, uh, a lot of wheelbarrows being pushed around, and um, I, think, I think he's recovered from that, but it was, it, was a, it was a big job. Now, my major project revolved on attacking the weed situation um, before mulching around uh, two pine trees in our side yard. So at some point in time, before we owned the house, the previous owners had cleared the grass around these trees, uh, and they had put down uh, some kind of a, a, a heavy-duty weed mat there, and then they'd covered the whole area with mulch. Which is great. Um, But over time, yeah, like I said, we've been here five years. Over time, weeds weeds have managed to fight their way through the mat, quite a few weeds, in fact. And the mulch on the the mat was so thin, we didn't put any on last year. It was so thin that you could see the mat pretty clearly in several spaces um, in this area. And so I decided that it was time to clear off the old weed mat and put down new weed mat before adding new mulch now this was a big job and it it, it's bigger than it looked because even though some of the old mat was visible there was still quite a bit of digging and sweeping and blowing and etc to get actually all of the old you know dead needles and old mulch off off of that space for me to lay the weed mat um, around all that area so finally I moved it Laid the mat down, smoothed it out, and then we were able to put the mulch on top. So I have one confession to make, though. We I didn't know exactly how much to buy, and I got a I think a fifty yard I think uh, fifty yard roll, and it co- it covered almost all of the area that I wanted to cover. Right there's just a one small section. I'd say it's about one foot by maybe three feet that is not covered with weed mat. I ran out, and I was Kind of too tired and too cheap to go back to the store and get you know buy another whole 50 50 yard roll just to cover this one little spot i was tired and i didn't want to spend the t- money and the time and i just decided i'm gonna put the mulch down anyway and all's well on the outside no one would know any differently but i know differently and every time i can see it out my window right now every time i look out the window i know that spot's vulnerable right i know i'm going to have to pay special attention to that spot because weeds are susceptible to grow there i didn't put the weed mat down and there's a spot that is going to be likely to have some weeds poking through so so here's the metaphor right for the christian life if you want to let jesus bring real and trans- real and lasting transformation you invite jesus to do a deep work of healing and transformation in you and if you don't do the inner work, you're stuck with the never-ending outer work of keeping up appearances, right? Pulling weeds, pulling weeds, pulling weeds. I'm going to have to keep weeding that spot because I didn't do the deeper work everywhere, right? Uh, now, I'm thankful that most of that sp- most of that area, I won't have to do the, the work of weeding because I did the, the deeper work. Um, but there's a spot that's still vulnerable. And so I want to ask today, you know, are there areas of your life where you haven't invited Jesus to do a deeper work of transformation? Are there those little spots that tend to still get weeds? If acting the way you want to feels impossible or exhausting, maybe there's a good chance that's the place that you're in need of deeper transformation. Remember, this is not something we can do on our own. This is work that only God can do. God transforms. But we participate with him. We cooperate with him. So I'm going to invite you to a prayer exercise, but I want to do that in real time uh, together with you. So I'm going to uh, end this, this portion uh, of our service. But um, yeah, think on that and we'll talk more.